Welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast of Hill Country Bible Church, Georgetown. The podcast bringing you biblical messages that encourage you to put Christ at the center of everyday life. We're here to help you engage in the local church and to invite you into a life that matters through Jesus. If you have any questions about your next step, visit us online at hillcountry.life. And now for today's message. All right. Good morning, everybody. It's good to see all of you. Now, um, it really has been a fairly emotional season uh, hasn't it? I mean, so many emotions, so many of them. And I, I think at least some of you are right there with me whenever I say, I'm not that comfortable with other people's emotions, let alone my own. Right? I, I, I will often fill silence with like uh, some fidgeting or a silly phone game or, uh, you know, an audiobook. I like audiobooks because, because what happens whenever I'm faced with silence? Well, I'm faced with my thoughts, I'm faced with my feelings, and they're not my favorite thing to ponder over and and think about. Now, there are some of you that you run through the entire emotional spectrum a couple times a day, and we love you too, that's okay. Uh, We need people that will balance us out, I see a couple nudges here and there. We We need people to balance us out that understand emotions a little bit better than I do, um, but you can imagine my initial reaction when Pastor Brian was like, hey, we're going to do an entire series on our current emotional state. And I'm like, oh, well, that sounds awesome that you're doing that, Pastor Brian. <laughs> Just don't put me on any of them. <laughs> well, here we are. Uh, <laughs> no, this, this has actually been a very challenging and good, good series for me, and I, I hope it is for you as well. And Wherever you're at with your emotions, there's no better uh, teacher on how to really deal with them in a healthy way than our creator. And so we are in this series, How's Your Heart? And we're looking at the emotions of Jesus. And today, we're going to take a look at uh, briefly an emotion that a lot of people don't think about when they think of Jesus. And it's sadness, the sadness of Jesus. Because I think if we can look at and discover what makes him sad, then we can see uh, what makes him joyful as well, and maybe apply that to our lives. Now, there's a lot of things that made Jesus joyful. Whenever the hurting were healed, or the rejected were were loved, or he was filled with joy, or whenever sinners were forgiven, he rejoiced in heaven with the angels. He was full of joy. But occasionally, Jesus would cry. He would be sad. And so, let's look at uh, one instance that made Jesus sad. In Luke 19, uh, verse 41, it says, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. So, so why was he crying? Why did he weep? Well, we have to remember why Jesus came in the first place. He came to seek and save the lost, to, to, bring, life in the, to bring life more abundantly, to proclaim the good news uh, to, to the poor, to recover sight to the blind, to set prisoners f- uh, free. He, came, he didn't come for the righteous. He came for the sinners. He didn't come for the healthy, right? He came, he came for uh, the sick. Jesus came to show the love of his father to the world. And so when he looked over Jerusalem, what he saw wrecked him. He cries out in Matthew 23, verse 37. He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those uh, sent to you. Is that why he's crying? Because uh, they were killing the prophets, the the people God was sending to him? Because I I think that's a pretty darn good reason to, to cry. But it's not. 
He goes on in this, in this passage, he says, How often I have longed to gather your children together, as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. How often I, I just wanted to bring you close to, to show you my love, to comfort you, and tell you how much you matter to me. But it makes me so sad because I wanted to love you, but, but you wouldn't let me. So what makes Jesus sad? It's when he wants to love and protect and comfort and heal and be with you, but he can't. And there were some other reasons Jesus was sad. Um, he, he wept over sin. He was, he was sad when his buddy Lazarus died. But this morning, we want to emphasize and really get to the joy that we can have in Jesus. So let's flip this instance around and take a look at a story that Jesus told about joy. And in this story, we're going to find three ways that we can experience joy again in Jesus. Because I, I don't know about you, but if I'm honest and a little bit vulnerable, uh, over the past year and a half, there have been days and, and maybe even some weeks where I haven't felt much joy. And so this is so important. And so we're going to take a look at a story in Luke 15. And Jesus is ch- uh, sharing this story of a father and his two sons. And whenever I hear this story... I get vivid images of 80s glow-in-the-dark flannel graph in my mind from when I was a kid in kids' church growing up. Uh, there's nothing like 80s flannel to bring the pages of the Bible alive, right? But it, 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 I guess it did its job because I remember it to this day. So if that helps you as we go through this, uh, I'm right there with you. So starting in verse 11, it says, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. And so he divided the property between them. Okay, and so this guy has a a couple sons, and the younger one says, Dad, I'm done. I'm finished. I want my inheritance. I'm out. Now, I I have to imagine that this boy didn't just wake up one fine day, and he's like, well, I'm going to tell my dad that I'm done. I'm tired. You know, give me what's owed to me. Because it would be bad today, but especially in that culture, that is pretty disrespectful. And so this son is basically telling his dad, I wish you were dead. And when you think about the arrogance or just how rebellious he was or how rude this, this son was, I mean, what, what could be going on in this young, younger son's heart where he felt like he could be that disrespectful to his father? And what's interesting about this story is the father's like, well, okay, let's try that. And he goes on in verse 13. It says, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. And so he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. I mean... This kid is loaded, right? He's got money. He's partying. He's enjoying life. There's nothing stopping, it, stopping him. And I have to imagine, he made all sorts of new, interesting friends during this time because that's what happens when you're just passing money out left and right. And what's interesting and not all that surprising is he, he loses it all. He spends it all. He partied hard, he, and he lost everything. And then, kind of insult to injury, a famine hits the, the land, and he's starving. And he has no money. And obviously, when his money runs out, all his friends seem to disappear. 
And so he gets this job feeding pigs, and he, he looks at the food that the pigs are eating, and he's like, huh, that may actually taste good. I wonder. I mean, that's how, that's how hungry and desperate this, this kid is. Now, let me ask you a question. Have you ever been in a situation where you've drifted in life a little bit further than you ever thought you would? Where you, where you ended up somewhere that you never thought you would end up? I mean, if, if I put myself in the place of this younger son, I don't think he thought to himself, I'm, I'm going to get all this money and I'm going to end up feeding pigs somewhere. No, I think he thought, you know, I'm going to get all this money and I'm going to enjoy life. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. I'm going to, I'm going to enjoy life. He had a plan. He had goals. Many of us have goals, but nothing happened in life the way he thought it would happen. Have you been there? Where you planned out your life and you thought, this is how it's going to go. This is, this is how everything's going to kind of fit into place. And I'm going to accomplish this and I'm going to make sure this happens. And then life doesn't go the way you planned it. I mean, insert any 2020 meme or joke you want here. Because it's, it's happened to all of us, hasn't it? Let's take it a step further. Have you maybe drifted to where not only is your life a little bit off track, but maybe your relationship with God is also suffering? All right, this, this younger son, he made mistake after mistake. And he found himself lost. He, he had nothing to look forward to, no real hope. I mean, have you found yourself in a, in a situation like that, in, in a circumstance like that? Where maybe during this season, you just find yourself drifting from God a little bit? One bad choice, one bad decision leads to another, leads to another, and maybe you feel a little lost. Because that's how this boy's feeling. He's in a pig pen wondering if the pig's food tastes good. Right? There are situations in life where we get so off track, and maybe some of you can identify with this, where we get so off track that even the worst options look tempting. Where, yeah, there are options, but none of them are great. But when you read Luke 15, verse 17, it's a powerful moment. It's a turning point in this story. Because Jesus says, when he came to his senses... He said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I'll set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. He realizes, goodness gracious, like life is better with my dad. Life's better with my father. He knew he messed up. He knew he hurt his father. He thought, I don't even know if I can repair this relationship. But he didn't stop there. He kept, he kept going. The sad part is I think there are so many of us that we get to a place where we're so lost, where we're so broken. We've made so many decisions that, that led us down a path, and we end up giving up because we think the decisions that we've made, there's no way of repairing what needs to be repaired. They're so bad. And so we give up, and then we make other decisions that make our situation even worse. But as Jesus is telling this story, he paints this picture where this boy came to his senses. He says, what if I go back home? What if I go back home? So check this out. Verse 20, it says, so he got up and went to his father. When we talk about finding true joy in Jesus, the first thing I want us to remember is it starts with taking one step towards our father. One step. 
Right, this boy, he decides, you know what, I need to go home. And so he takes one step. He starts out on that journey. journey. And watch what happens. Again, verse 20, he, he uh, decides, I'm going to go back to my father. But it says, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to the father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He is lost. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. I mean, I love this picture. Here, the son's thinking, you know what? I've messed up so much. There's no way my dad's going to accept me back. And he's got this whole, like, apology speech planned and the whole nine yards. And he's thinking, you know what? I'll just ask my dad, Dad, can can I just be one of your servants? Just let me work for you. Just let me be in your presence. It's, It's so much better just to be with you than where I was at. I don't expect for you to like bring me back in as your son or anything like that. I just want, I just want to be one of your servants. Just let me in your home again. And here you see what Jesus is trying to help us understand. He's saying that this is a picture of our heavenly father. And so when this son was walking home, the father sees him and he's so excited. He runs to him. And when he gets to his son, I mean, I'm imagining this boy being like smelly, like dirty, kind of messed up, like real ripe by this point. But this father, like only our heavenly father could, he hugs him and he kisses him. And he's so excited. He's like, you know what? This son of mine who I thought was dead is alive. And he he doesn't just stop there. He says, get my best robe, get my ring, get that fattened calf and and, and kill it. We're going to celebrate. I'm going to cover this boy up, this mess. Everything he thought was irreparable, the father's like, I'm going to fix it. And so Jesus is telling us, I love this, that we don't have to clean up our mess before we come to him. He says, just come as you are. And this father is just so excited. He's celebrating. And he tells the people in his home, he says, we have to celebrate this moment. We have to party. I'm no longer sad. My, my son isn't dead. He's alive. That's, that's the picture that Jesus is sharing with us. When one person decides to, to return back to God, when one person says, you know what? I don't deserve this. I don't know if I'm worthy, but I'm a sinner, God, and I'm coming back to you. All of heaven is rejoicing when one person does that in that moment. And back to the story, this father, who's just so thrilled, he throws this party for the son. But you got to remember that there were two sons, right? You you can almost hear it like, meanwhile, dun, dun, dun. Verse 25, meanwhile, the older son was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother's come home, he replied, and and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. And you would think that this older son would be as excited, would be really excited because his brother is not dead. His brother's alive, and he would be as excited as his father was, but he wasn't. Verse 28 says, the older brother became angry and refused to go in. And so his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you, and you never diso- and, and never disobeyed your orders. 
Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, can you hear the anger in that? Not my brother, this son of yours, who squandered your property with prostitutes comes home. You kill the fattened calf for him? Now, I've got to wonder if there was some form of like sibling rivalry going on because that isn't the response that you would expect. You've got one son that left home and didn't want to have anything to do with the father, but he came to his senses and came back home. And you've got this other son that was technically physically present in the home. But I've got to wonder where his heart was because he didn't even care that his brother was alive. He didn't share the same feelings as his father, which makes me wonder what's really going on in the older brother's heart. Right? One's physically distancing himself from the father, and then you got this other one that's emotionally distancing himself from the father. And it's easy to go to this story and, and think about and talk about how terrible of a brother the older brother is. But if we can be vulnerable for a moment, be honest with yourself, haven't haven't we in some ways done what the older brother's done? Right? Maybe you come to church every week and maybe you read your Bible, but is it truly a relationship that you're enjoying? Or are you just following rules? Are you just checking off boxes on a list? Because my second point here is in order for us to experience true joy in Christ, we need to enjoy our relationship instead of following rules. And some people You're comfortable with rules. You like the boundaries that it provides. But it's not about rules with Jesus. It's never been about rules. And that's what Jesus is trying to help us understand in this story. This father, he loves, loves, loves this rebellious prodigal son. But he also loves this rule-following son. He loves both of them. And this father's saying, son, your brother who who was lost, he's, he's not lost anymore. He's back. He's found. We thought he was dead. And he's back home. Verse 31, it says, My son, the father said, you're always with me. And everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours, not just my son, this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so here, this older brother is complaining and the father says, well, everything I have is yours. You, you underestimate your value. You underestimate who you are to me. You're my son. Everything I have is yours. And I think so many, we view following Jesus as a, as a set of rules to follow. And we're missing the point. And I, I don't want any of us to end up like the older brother thinking, well, I've checked off the boxes, God. You know, give me what's mine. Give me what you owe me. No, it's, it's not about rules. It's about a relationship with our Heavenly Father. And when we have a relationship with Him, then we can experience the joy that comes with that. And so, has, has life been hard? Has this season of life been difficult? Yeah, it's been real difficult. Are, are, you, are you looking and searching for any sense of normalcy or, or maybe like I've been, like any sense of joy? Maybe. Don't just check off boxes. Don't just follow rules. Enjoy this moment we have with God. And then enjoy the next moment we have with God. And then the moment after that, 
moment after that. We're all about doing life with God, inviting him in to our lives moment by moment and see what he does with that. Because this picture that Jesus is painting in this story, he's giving us the keys. He's giving us the solution. It starts with taking one step back towards the Father and realizing it's not about rules. It's about a relationship. And the third way that we can experience true joy with God, with Christ, is by bringing people along. I I honestly wish I was there to watch this whole thing. I think this dad is pretty darn cool. Like, I would like to be a dad like that, where my son, like, goes away for a while and messes up, and he comes back, and I'm like, you're back. You're back to me. Like, grab some tacos. Let's, like, party. Put some music on. I don't know about the whole dancing thing. I'm not that good, but come on, let's party. And then another child comes back, and it's, that's been emotionally distancing themselves. Like, thank you're back. I love you, too. Don't do that. Let's party. And that's what's happening here. And I, I think the father knew that when, when you celebrate things, you've got to bring people along with you, that, that you have other people in your life to celebrate with. And I, I wonder, especially in this season, if there might be a few of you that, that are just so isolated, that are doing life alone. And you're like, man, I don't, I, I don't have anything to celebrate. I don't have anybody really to celebrate with. I don't have any joy. I don't, I don't really have a whole lot of hope. I don't have anything motivating me. I mean, come on, get involved here. And, and I don't want you to miss out. And you, if you're thinking, Jason, I don't know why you're so excited. It's because heaven's rejoicing when one person like, takes a step back toward, toward God. And we're seeing people come to faith and, and, and get baptized. And I want to invite you to be a part of this amazing story of God that's happening here in this church right now. I don't want you to miss out on that. So come on, get get involved. There are small groups that you can be a part of. There there are serving opportunities here that you can get around other people that love God and celebrate together. There's ways to invite people online to church because we don't have to live life alone. We, We can experience true joy with Jesus. So why miss out on that? So if you've been physically distancing yourself from God and other people, take one step. Decide what is the one step back toward God I can take this morning and do it. And if you've been checking off boxes, if you've been uh, just following rules, remind yourself it's not about rules with Jesus. It's all about relationship with him. And when you invite someone to church and you see their life change, you see, you see maybe even how they change uh, the family's life that's, that's connected there, there's nothing that can replace that feeling. It's an incredible feeling I don't want you to miss out on. And so my prayer for you this morning is that you would ask God, God, what is it that you're trying to say to me? What is, it, what is that one step back towards you that I can take? Is there a change that needs to happen in my heart? God, what is the next right thing I can do in this moment? And I pray you do that, that you realize that God has a better way of living, a better way of life with him than maybe you on your own understand. And you take that one next step toward him into relationship and experience and see the joy that comes from that. Trust God in this moment and in the next and see what he does. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this story of redemption, this story of unconditional love that you show us. 
God, there's no way we could repair what needs to repair, but repaired. But, but you say, we, we don't need to. We just need to come to you and give it to you. God, give us strength this morning to, to not stay isolated from one another, not stay isolated from you, not keep you at, at arm's length, but invite you into our lives moment by moment where we can experience a relationship with you that brings joy into our hearts. God, give us strength to, to bring other people along and celebrate the wins and celebrate what you're doing in our lives and in the lives of other people. God, that we could get connected to one another as the church and praise you and worship you for all you're doing. God, we love you. Pray this in your name. Amen. All right, so this week, what is that one step? Where, where is that uh, part of your heart that you need to take one step toward God and do it and do it again and do it again? This is this relationship thing, just like any relationship, isn't a one-and-done thing. Continue to do it over and over again. Do life with him and see where it goes. See where, where God blesses you. You guys have a great week. Thanks a lot.